We are in chapter 13 of the Gospel of Mark, and uh, the title of the message is still going along with the Be Alert, Stand Firm, and if there was a subtitle to it, uh, Jesus' Pastoral Concerns. He got a little pastoral here. He was prophetic at the same time as he was being pastoral. You know, when you're looking at end-time scriptures, and if you've been looking at the chapter 13, you know that it talks about some end-time events. Um, there's even controversy about the end of what, believe it or not, because any time you get into end-time uh, scriptures, end-time teachings, there's always room for disagreement on interpretation, controversy, if you would. Uh, you can look it up, some things about what I'm going to be talking about today, and they don't agree. They talk. Some people think it's all, all everything in this chapter has already taken place. It's already done. It happened before the destruction of the temple in about 70 A.D. There's others <coughs> that believe that it's primarily end times, future yet. And there's those that believe that it kind of covers both. So um, what I'm going to be sharing is going to be sharing mostly from my perspective. And I want you to know that some of that's just my perspective. Um, when you read and study it, you, you really can uh, decide on your own what position or what you think. But I think some of it is so obvious, and I think Jesus' main message, as I shared with us yesterday, isn't about focusing on a timeline. It's about focusing on staying alert and being aware of what's going on and staying focused on what we as disciples are called to be doing. And that's, we're called to be making disciples. We're called to be sharing the good news of the gospel. That's what we're called to be doing. No matter what's happening in the world, the church is not going to be stopped unless we stop ourselves. So we are to be called, we're called to be disciples, making disciples, followers of Jesus. And that's the key thing. And to really fully understand Mark chapter 13, you need to understand also that you can read about it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 24 and 25, and you also can read about it in Luke chapter 21. And really to get the more full picture of this, what, what is called the Olivet Discourse, or Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olives, as he's leaving Jerusalem, heading back up to Bethany, they stop when the disciples make a comment as they left the temple, wow, look at amazing building, isn't this something, Lord? And he says to them, yeah, well, look at that thing. There's going to be a time when there's not a single stone upon another. It's going to be destroyed. And that's when they ask the question, when is this going to happen? And what sign will there be to know that the end is being fulfilled? And that's where, where we need to realize that these three different individuals, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are just like you and I. If, if three of us went to a, a conference and sat, down, sat in on a teaching, there would be parts of it that would just resonate with me. It would be speaking to things in my life or something that really is a passionate thing in my heart, and it might be different than what was on Darren's heart or Glenn's heart. And if you ask us to write up a summary, Glenn's summary might be over here like this. Darren's would be here. Mine's here. And none of them are wrong, right? They're all part of what took place. And that's what we see here. If you read, read these in Matthew, Matthew focuses primarily on what's going to happen to Israel. When Jesus is speaking, what's going to happen to Israel? When you look at what Luke says, he is the only one of the three that even tells us about the fall of Jerusalem. Titus comes in the Roman army and they destroy the city, they destroy the temple, and then he focuses a little bit on the captivity of the Jews that follows that. 
Mark and Matthew don't even mention that. But that's what, what Luke brought out. And Mark emphasizes the danger of damage to our faith. He emphasizes what Jesus said about staying alert, being aware, watching, standing firm, no matter what comes, because it's going to come, and nobody's going to do anything about it. It's going to happen. Mark 13, verse 4, the disciples' question. We asked, we covered this last week a little bit. Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are going to be filled? And the way Jesus responds, it's almost as if he's saying, guys, you're asking the wrong question. It's not a when question. That's not the focus. The when, the timeline, isn't what we're concerned about. If you're going to be concerned about the wind and you're going to try to figure out the wind, you're going to be easily deceived and misled. Because it's clear from the word of God that Jesus himself spoke and said, no one knows the time except the Father. Jesus as a man said, I don't even know the time. The angels don't know the time. So he, the Lord is telling his disciples that it's not about the wind. There will get to be a whole lot of goofiness when everybody focuses on the wind. And if you don't believe it, just look back in history and even to what goes on today. People are misled completely and the focus is totally lost. And this has happened to lots of teachers and leaders as well as just individuals. We focus on the wrong thing. It gets us totally off track. At best, it's a distraction. At worst, it leads us into all kinds of theological errors when we do this. And Jesus' response, what was it? Just a few words. See to it that no one misleads you. Now that statement of his has, apparently, if we just look at the question, it's like, what the heck? That has nothing to do with the question I asked. It shows us what Jesus was concerned about. He knows that things are going to be happening after he is gone that's going to or could easily mislead his disciples. It could throw them off focus. And if you think about who he's talking to and the Jewish people at that time, the Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to come. He was going to come and bring them victory. He was going to become the new king. They may have even thought when he comes, the Messiah is going to drive the Romans out of here and he's going to set up camp right in the temple and we're going to worship the Messiah right here in the temple. And Jesus just told them that thing's going to be destroyed. Who knows what the disciples were actually thinking, but it did not fit the anticipation of the Messiah in that day or in that time. And Jesus knows what's coming, and he's telling them, be careful, stay alert, beware, so that you may stand firm. And I believe we'll see when he's saying things like, stay alert and beware, it's not like we're going to walk around looking up in the clouds looking for Jesus coming back. Not that kind of be aware. It's stay alert, beware. Don't get, don't get confused. Don't let it distract you. Be alert. Stay on focus. Stay on task. I have called you. I'm going to call you to turn the world upside down to spread the good news of the gospel. Stay alert. And when we come to the next few verses, verses 6 through 13, and Lord willing, we'll get through some of it anyway, um, we're going to see what I called 
some of Jesus' pastoral concerns. Obviously, there definitely could be a prophetic part of it. But it's like Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he's still speaking to his disciples today, all of us. And there are concerns that have been around since before the time of Jesus, actually, but certainly in the age that we are living in. And when you hear me see the age that we're living in as I go through today, I may say that more than once. What I'm talking about is the age or the time frame from Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection until he comes back, whenever that is. So we are living in that age. We are living in the same age as the disciples and the Apostle Paul lived in. It's the same age, just a different year, different time. So he's, he's going to minister to them through these verses that we're going to be looking at today. And he says, seeing, see these things, look at these things. And one of the things that you may disagree with me with real early is, are they all signs of the times? Are they all signs of the end? And I'm going to tell you, I believe they are not. Because they're not called that. They're called the beginning of birth pangs. And when the disciples asked the question in verse 4, notice, I don't want to make a bigger deal out of it than I maybe could or should. They didn't say, what are the signs, plural. They said, what is the sign, singular. And we can get so messed up because we look at what's happening around us in our world today. And man, the signs of the end times are here. I would offer to you, no, they're not. We are seeing the beginning of birth pangs. And we maybe talk about childbirth a little bit more because Jesus seemed to use it as a, a picture for us. I feel, feel ill-equipped. I should have a woman talk about that. But we know when the childbirth, the signs of childbirth begin, there might be some contractions. The baby's going to be born. The contractions stop. They start again. Well, this time for sure. They stop. Well, now they're stronger. We got to get to the hospital. We go to the hospital. The baby's going to be born. Maybe they don't send you home. No, they sent you home because it stopped. And then finally, finally, at the right time, the baby's born. And I believe that's a picture we need to keep in our mind because Jesus keeps referring to the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. And he's going to tell us they're going to be there. And notice, again, if you remember in verse 4, and what shall be the sign when all things are going to be filled? So what I'm talking about, if you like this word, non-signs, there's a lot of non-signs that Jesus is saying they're birth pains. That's what they are. And I believe, from the way I understand it, that Jesus is kind of telling us, don't let the birth pangs disturb you so much. Pay attention. Stay alert. Be aware. Keep your focus. Don't put your head in the sand or don't be locked up into the sky. Don't be deceived. They're, they're going to happen. Don't confuse these birth pangs with the actual end itself. Jesus wants to protect his disciples in those times. And I believe he wants to protect us as his disciples now from fear and, quite frankly, fanaticism. And I'm not saying we got any fanatics here, but we might. But trust me, 
There have been a lot throughout history when it comes to end-time things. Groups of people have committed suicide because the end was here. History's been crazy when you look at what can happen when we get wrapped up in the wrong thing and lose our, fo- or lose our focus completely. You know, trying to figure out the end times is totally a fruitless endeavor. Now, I'm not saying studying the end times, and I'm not saying thinking about it, I'm not saying ignore revelation, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying so getting so wrapped up in it that we're going to try to nail a date. Anybody know that there's been dates nailed for years and years and years and years and years and years? And too often what they do is when they miss it, they just change it and give you another date. Totally fruitless. Totally fruitless. Our goal as Christians is not to be waiting for the end to come. Our, our goal as Christians is to be sharing the gospel message with as many as we, people as we can before he comes. That should be our goal. That's our mission. So we're going to look at at least four birth pangs, and you could split them up into more if you wanted to, but the first one is in Mark 13, verse 6. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. And notice it says, and that will mislead many. Many people are going to follow these false messiahs, people that come declaring, I am Jesus. How many of you know that there were people showing up before Jesus came on the scene declaring they were the Messiah to the Jewish people? Numerous times. And I can't even tell you how many people have made that claim since Jesus' time. There were people declaring, if you look through ancient history of of the people that lived at the time of the disciples, they actually have names of people who declared they were Jesus. And believe it or not, there's still people today proclaiming and claiming they're Jesus. And people are believing them, following them, even though what they teach is never a biblical presentation of Jesus. It's never accurate. And they're still there. I'm going to show you just four quick pictures. Go to the first one, please. That guy's been around for years. His followers push him around. They wear the blue blue gowns, and they push him around on a wheeled cart. His name is, well, it was Elvora Theis, but then he decided he was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And he's been around for years, decades, actually. He changed his name to to Inri Christel. Inri meaning the, the Jewish letters from the first words that were nailed on the cross of Jesus. Followers. Another one. Mitsuo Matayoshi. This guy decided he was was... was God, and he was going to bring judgment on the earth, but he decided he was going to do it through politics. And he stood there and, I'm going to bring judgment on the world, vote for me. And he kept proclaiming that he was God until the day he died. So he's no longer around. And he had followers. People had voted for him, trying to elect him to bring the end time judgment of God. Crazy. Third one. This was one of my favorites. I've read about him for quite a few years. His name is, well, his, his new name is Viserion. And, and, and some of these guys were jewelry salesmen. 
Some of them were guards. But then they had this revelation of who they really were. This guy lives in Siberia. And you don't get to see him all the time, but he comes out occasionally. And he's got over 4,000 followers that live there with him. Well over 10,000 followers worldwide. He primarily teaches on, on reincarnation, on vegetarianism, ecology, and the apocalypse. And he's the Messiah. And the last one I want to show you, and there's, you can Google it, the list is unbelievable. The last one is Alan John Miller of Queensland, Australia. Alan is the reincarnation of Jesus, of course. And his wife is the reincarnation of Mary Magdalene. Because Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married when they were on the earth the first time around. And it just goes on and on. He holds seminars called Divine Truth. And he teaches about the divine love path. And I could go out on ad nauseum until I got sick. So I'm going to stop. Jesus knew this was going to happen. It had been happening before Jesus even came on the scene. And it was happening while his disciples were on the earth. And it's still happening today. And there's many, 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 many more. I believe the last one I showed you, uh, Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and he was a leader in the Jehovah Witness Church before he got the revelation that he was Jesus. And people follow these people. Why? Because I believe the, the deceiver is powerful, but they don't know the word. People don't know the word. And we're cautioned. And this was Jesus' first concerns. The second birth pangs, starting in verse 7. <clears throat> When you hear of wars and rumors of war, do not be frightened. These things must take place. They must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will also be famines. Things are, these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Doesn't say they're a sign of the end. Beginning of birth pangs. And these things it says must happen. Wars, rumors of war, earthquakes and famines. They have to take place. They will take place. That's a little bit hard sometimes for my mind to see as evil and horrible as wars are. Jesus is saying they must take place. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do everything we can do to avoid them. But he says they are not the sign of the end times. You know, some of us, well, I don't think any of us in here are old enough, but man, can you imagine when World War I came? There'd never been a war like it. Nation against nation. The end was coming. There was no doubt about it. That's what you heard, what you read about. It's over with until the war ended. And Jesus didn't come back. Well, when World War II came, oh my goodness. Now we're talking kingdoms against kingdoms. This World War II, the worst, there couldn't be worse than this. This is it. Totally off focus. They were nothing but the beginning of birth pangs. We are living in the time of birth pangs. And we have no idea when he's coming back. 
seems sooner rather than later to me. All of us know it's 2,000 years sooner than it was 2,000 years ago. But we don't know for sure. And I believe that's why Jesus is saying, guys, don't get off track. Don't lose your focus. The world wars do not mean the world is ending. What world wars mean is that the world is a fallen world. A sinful world. Sorry, I keep looking at the clock. There's an interesting scripture, and I know a lot of us have heard and seen data, for example, on the frequency of earthquakes. Boy, they've been increasing and increasing and increasing. The end must be near. Well, first of all, earthquakes have been around forever. I think there was one the day Jesus died, if I'm not mistaken. And then they say, well, the frequency. Well, we don't even know. We couldn't even track him a couple of centuries ago. We didn't know. Does it look like they maybe are? Maybe. Let's build a ministry around the frequency of earthquakes. Focus is so wrong. You know, there's a scripture in Romans 8, 22, that should take care of that thinking. It says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. We shouldn't be surprised every time something happens on planet Earth or in the universe, for that matter, that that is not necessarily the sign of the end times. I'm going to read verses 10, 9 and 10. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts. You will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. And when they arrest you, verse 11, and deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand about what you're to say, but say whatever is given you in that in that hour. For it is not you who will speak, but it's the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother to death. And a father his child. And children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all on my account, the account of my name. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. This is Jesus telling us what's going to happen. He's telling us these are the beginning of birth pangs. And he's telling us, in the midst of this, don't lose your focus. It's going to happen. It's hard to understand why. You will be hated by all men for my namesake. Christians have been hated since the time of Christ. And they're going to be hated, and it's probably going to get worse until Jesus returns. For his namesake, for who he is, who we declare him to be, who we say he is, for what he has done. And you can see why Jesus would say, guys, don't lose focus. Stand firm. It's not going to be that much fun. Any conception that you had of when the Messiah comes, we're going to all live a happily ever after, it isn't going to happen that way. Watch. Your own relatives will betray you. 
Well, Jesus told us in Matthew, I'm not going to read it because of time, but in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 39, he tells us what's going to happen in the midst of families. Families are going to turn against families. We may not see it in the intensity as we do in other parts of the world, but if there are other parts of the world with a son or a daughter declares they become a Christian and they're not, they're in a Hindu or Muslim, whatever religion, they may be dead. Fathers turning in daughters and sons, vice versa. We are still thinking, now that can't happen. We, we see families divided because of Christ right here in the United States. It's not to this intensity, but will it be coming? It may be. In verse 9, church leaders will turn you over to the government powers. In that time, the church did not have the power to kill people. So they turned, like they did with Jesus, turned him over to the Romans. Church leaders will turn you over to government powers. It's happening. It's already happening in parts of the world. It's happening at just a minuscule scale, even in the United States in some places. Verse 9, the government leaders will use their power against you. The birth pangs are here. They're arriving. And it's going to intensify. But, Jesus is saying, don't get your eyes on all of that stuff. You will lose your focus completely. You're going to live in fear. Or you're going to become a fanatic of some sort. He's saying, yes, be alert. Be a bear. Be watchful. But stand firm. Stand firm on what? My mission. I believe, is what he's saying more than anything else. Stand firm in your faith and spread the good news of the gospel. When birth pangs come, I think the women could attest to it. It's painful. It's painful. What we will experience will be painful. And the gospel must be preached to all the nations. It's interesting to me, Right in the midst of verses about all of this persecution, we have this verse 10 stuck in there, and then it goes right back to persecution. Again, not to read too much into it, but it would seem to me that there's going to be a spreading in the gospel, and it's going to be in the midst of persecution. And it's going to spread probably more effectively in the midst of persecution than at any other time. You look in countries where the persecution has gotten so intense and they're going to destroy the gospel message. They think they're going to remove Jesus from their country, their nation. And the more pressure they put on, the faster it spreads. The gospel message. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there because I don't want to rush through the rest of this. But there's some interesting things that cause me to really think. It must be preached to all nations. We hear this. That hasn't happened yet, so Jesus can't come back. Well, there's scriptures that we'll look at next week in Colossians where the disciples and the Apostle Paul declared that it had been to the end of the world. All the creations heard. I don't know what to do with that for sure. And then I read in Revelation, even after supposedly we're all gone, There's going to be angels flying all over the earth doing what? Preaching the gospel. What does it mean to endure to the end? Those who endure to the end will be saved. What does that mean? 
No, that's the teasers for next week. I encourage you to get into chapter 13. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you and praise you that you have given us two amazing gifts besides Jesus. You have given us your word and you have given us the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would draw us to your word, that we would have an insatiable appetite for your word. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring your word to life in our hearts and minds. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Father, with most I ask, Holy Spirit, let the love of Jesus fill us and flow out of us to those around us. Forgive us when we become distracted by all the things that are happening around us, as bad as they are, as evil as they are, that we might stay focused on sharing the good news of the gospel. Lord, we acknowledge that you are the only solution to our problems. And the victory has already been won because of Christ. Pray you not let us get distracted by the battles that we would just continue to carry the message and the love of Christ. And I ask all this that Jesus in his name would be glorified. Amen.